Hello, everybody out there in podcast land. You have set you down once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, episode 179. Wowza, wowza, wowza. Our guest a little bit later on going 10 rounds of Rhino. Dude, he is awesome. UFC lightweight Carl, the Anishinaabe kid, Deaton Third, also known as CD3. Great conversation. Really, really fun guy to talk to. Can't wait for you guys to check the one out later on. So, our intro and our schedule is as follows. We are going to have our results from the welterweight championship boxing match between uh, Tiafimo Lopez and Josh Taylor from last night. Of course, our full recap of the massive pay-per-view from Vancouver, Canada, UFC 289. Our drop of the night. Picks for UFC Vegas 75. Some awesome Q&A with some members of the Rhino Gang. Gang, gang. Then the aforementioned UFC lightweight, Carl Deaton III, is going to go 10 rounds of Rhino. It is awesome. So let's, without further ado, APB. Let's go ahead and get our swim trunks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. So just real quickly, last night, the uh, championship pro boxing at 140 pounds was Josh Taylor versus Tiafimo Lopez. I had Tiafimo Lopez winning nine uh, out of the 12 rounds. He got the very clear-cut unanimous decision in that one. Big fight last night in the boxing world, and Tiafimo Lopez did a great job getting the UD there. All right, let's get into the meat and matter, as we like to say around here. UFC 289 from beautiful Vancouver, Canada. Our first fight was Maria Oliveira versus Diana Balbita. Um... Not the most exciting fight in the world, you know what I mean? Diana Balbita was kind of throwing some pretty wide, looping shots, not connecting a ton, but certainly doing a much better job than Oliveira, who just kind of seemed stagnant, was pretty content just to kind of move her head and try to avoid not having a whole lot of offense. It was a lot of uh, wall wrestling. Diana Balbita got the very clear-cut unanimous decision in that one at 115 pounds. Moving into 125 pounds, this was a very fun fight. Steve Ursig out of Australia came in on eight days notice uh, versus the very top and very talent, talented and uh, experienced was the word I was looking for, David Vorak. Um, this one was back and forth. David Vorak was doing a great job of sticking and moving, staying out of the way, and he was winning right up until he wasn't because then Ursig <laughs> hit him with a really hard shot that kind of put him down and then hit him with a, with a high kick. Um, need is the body. Steve Ursig really came on in the second half of this fight, earning him the unanimous decision in that one. He's going to be a problem at 125. He's a big 125 or two. So, I'll, yeah, look out for him on the way up, man. All right, moving into 145. We had our first of several Rhino Gang uh, fighters on the card. Blake Builder versus Kyle the Monster Nelson. Um, Blake looked good early. He was throwing far more consistently. He was far. He was throwing a lot more combinations. Nothing like substantial was landing, but he was the busier guy. But really, from about round, the end of round one through two and three, Kyle Nelson with his jab. That jab was the best weapon he had all night. The inside leg kick. Blake Builder was having a very hard time managing distance after that. Wasn't really able to do much. Kyle Nelson was just kind of you know steady. He was just steady the entire time. He pressed Blake up against the cage a lot, was using some shoulder punches, some inside knees, some knees to the legs. Kyle the Monster Nelson did a great job, got a very steady, you know, workman's-like win over Blake the Builder in that one um, at 145 pounds. All right, moving into, oh, my gosh, APB. (laughs) So after three decisions, you know, it's kind of like, okay, we could use a little finish here. And I'm in Zahabi. Fucking delivered. 135-pounder Iman Zahabi <laughs> versus Ariki Lang. This one, I don't even know if it lasted a minute, dude. It, literally it was a minute out. and four seconds. Okay. They came out. Ariki Lang kind of was put pressing forward. Iman was kind of moving around. And then just fucking threw a beautiful. He, he threw the right hand first, and he came around with the left hook. Hit Ariki Lang right on the jaw. Put him down and clean out 
for a good couple of seconds. I'm in Zahabi. What a KO in the first round. Holy shit. Rhino gang, 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 gang. All right. Moving into our next Rhino gang versus Rhino gang matchup. We had Miranda Maverick versus This Jasmine. fight was awesome. Yeah. Miranda Maverick versus Jasmine Jazavizius at 125 pounds. Lots of clinching and body uh, and knees to the body were being exchanged early. JJ got a takedown. The Pretty much the last couple minutes of the first round was just an armbar attempt from Miranda Maverick up against the cage where no one could really – it was kind of stalemate, you know what I mean? Um, nothing really could happen from those couple minutes. And then the second round, Jasmine was landing more knees, landed a really good right hand, which I think was kind of the beginning of the major burst of confidence. That first right hand that really cracked Miranda, bloodied up her nose um, – you know, Miranda started shooting for takedowns, and Jasmine's takedown defense was great. She twisted her over, ended up on top, took her back, landed some ground and pound. And then in the third round, holy shit, Jasmine moved forward, dude. She was throwing five, six, seven punch combinations. She had that look on her face, APB, you know what I mean? That look of, like, savagery. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like she was she was, she was, was out for blood. I, I'm i going to call her Jasmine Jazzabicious from now on because she yeah. was vicious. That's <laughs> so apropos. It was so good. What a performance by Jasmine Jazzabicious. Got the UD over Miranda in that one at 125 pounds. And like everyone was saying, look for her to have a uh, ranking next to her name uh, come when the new ones come out this week. So very cool for Jasmine um, at 125 pounds. All right. Moving into 185 pounds, we had Nasardine Imovov versus Chris Curtis. Hey, can you fucking, <laughs> I can't believe, fucking believe it? Can I cannot believe it. You cannot rock this shit. <laughs> two fights in a row for Chris Curtis are ended by a headbutt. Like, <laughs> you know, if you'd have told me that beforehand, I'd be like, there's no fucking way. Yeah. But sure enough. Imovov was winning, too, by the way. Imovov was staying on distance. He was landing that one-two. He had the inside leg kicks. Chris Curtis was having a hard time closing distance. I'm not saying he wouldn't have later. He could have. Um, sure. Chris Curtis is a very explosive fighter. But Nasruddin Imovov was winning the fight. And then they had another really gnarly clash of heads. Chris Curtis's eye not only did it swell shut, but it had a huge gash over it. Um, yeah, his eye so looked yeah, the doctor had to stop it. Another no contest and another head clash, I should say, from for Chris Curtis. Unbelievable stuff. We'll see what happens next for those guys. All right. Moving into our first fight on the main card, we had Eric Anders, Rhino Gang Gang Gang, versus Mark Andre Burial. This the first round was was explosive. And you know, it came out right away. They started they started banging out there in the fucking uh, in the middle of the cage. There was a lot of really good strikes being landed. That first round I gave to Eric Anders, you know what I mean? I thought it was pretty close. They both had their moments, but then rounds two and three were really power bar. Mark Andre Burial, he, he, you know, he had the he had the cage control, he had the takedowns, he had the punches. He was really doing a great job of controlling that fight. It seemed like Eric Anders got hurt to the body several times, and I think Mark Andre Burial very clearly won rounds two and three. The judges gave it to him all three, which I thought was kind of meh. But as long as the right guy. Did you think the right that they was? should have taken a point away for the second nut shot? And what was it yeah. with the ref like, like teasing that he was going to take a point and then not <laughs> take a point or don't, dude? Yeah, yeah, that was weird. And again, they've got to be more clear cut with if you're going to take a point or not. But you know, at the end of the day, really, like the right guy won. Sure, and that's what's most important. <laughs> you know, at this point, with some of this terrible judging, we both know that Lee and Amato. We're judging last night, so I was oh a little. Oh my gosh! Good thing it was uh, obvious <laughs> who won that fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did not need another repeat of last week. 
No way, dude. Holy smokes. So, yeah, speaking of clear who won the fight, we moved in 145 pounds next for my man, Dan, 50K Ige. Yeah. Nate Landewehr, and great fight. This one was old yeah. school Dan Ige, dude. And you got to have a dance partner like Nate Landewehr if you're going to have a fight like last night. Because Nate Landewehr, you know, like I said, he was getting outstruck almost the entire fight. Uh, Dan Ige was faster. He was hitting harder. But Nate Landewehr stood his fucking ground and was throwing back. He, was he looked the best to... in the third round when after he got beat up some. <laughs> yeah, he got dropped in the first and in the second. Uh, Dan Ige was fucking killing him all fight. And then you're right, I was going to say this, the latter part of the third round, Nate Landewehr was just like, I got nothing to lose. I'm down. I'm <laughs> going for broke. You know what I mean? And uh, he really did and, and, and put on a great performance. But Dan 50K Ige, throwback, old school, OG Dan Ige, did his damn thing as Nate Landewehr. And again, Nate Landewehr is a really good fighter. I just Very and good, I, and I love him. And he's I do. super durable. You know what I mean? That's what, that's what makes him so incredible is no matter what, he's not out of a fight. And so, yeah, big kudos to both guys. Dan Ige, very clear cut. UD at 145 in that one. All right. Moving into Mike Malott. And I don't even remember the first round. And I don't even think I took notes. For the first round, I don't remember. It doesn't what matter. It doesn't matter. I just matter. remember the second round. <laughs> <laughs> they go to the ground, and Mike Bullock slaps on that guillotine and chokes out Adam Fuggett. And it was fucking great. And the place went insane. It was a huge pop. Mike Bullock is a problem at he 170, is. dude. He is He's tall. exciting. Yeah, he is tall. He is rangy. He is good everywhere. And his confidence is fucking sky high right now. And he's not an asshole about it. I mean, he's Canadian. You know what I mean? He's like, he's like <laughs> nice about it. But he is a really talented guy. Excuse me, and I think Mike Malat is going to really make some noise at 170 here in the next couple of years. I really do. So big ups to him for that submission in the second round over Adam Fuggett. And then let's get into our co-main event, Charles Dubrox Oliveira. Now, I am going to pat myself back a little bit here. I didn't think he was going <laughs> to knock him out, but I thought Charles was going to submit Benil. Um but basically, it was a hard leg, like hard head kick. Dubrox landed on Benil early. Seemed to definitely get Benil's attention, right? Uh, Benil then ended up on top, landed some decent ground and pound from standing. Some, you know, as soon as Charles Dubronx got back up to his feet, I was like, okay, I, I think I want him to look for a, you know, take it to the ground. Because, you know, you got the most submissions in the history of the UFC. I like Charles Dubronx on the ground. I just think he can win so many ways there. But, you know, it's, it's a matter of how is he going to get Benil down. Well, here's how you do it. You throw up another fucking head kick, <laughs> which, 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 which scrambles Benil Darius. He blocked most of it, but still got through. Um, they go back to the ground, just a series of hammer fists, and then a few of them landed, and then one really landed hard, and he had to eat a couple more before the referee got in there. But, yeah, TKO in the first round, Charles Dubronx Oliveira over Benil Dariush. What a fucking... It, it, was, it was amazing. That was, like, a, I mean, from... The minute that he started walking in, you know, he's crying. I was nervous because I was like, oh, my gosh, he's crying coming out. Like, this is this is not good. Get a hold of your emotions. I hope you don't get KO'd. But, no, he did. He was fine. He he just made it his fight, and he won spectacularly. And I really hope that he gets uh, the title shot next and gets his belt back because he was great. Yeah. No, I feel I'm, bad I'm... for Benil Dariush. Like, mm, I feel so bad for him. And you have to wonder, like, you know, they're both really religious guys. Like, does Jesus like Charles better? Oh my God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I just had to say that. I think, I, think, really. I, think Benil, I think Benil has a few more good fights in him. I think he'll oh, stay yeah. at the top 
about 155. I just, I just don't think he's championship material. And, um, but again, it does not negate the fact that he's a fantastic fighter and, you know, I, I look forward to seeing him again. He usually puts on fun fights. So yes. that is our co-main event from that one. Let's get into our main event. And again, I'm not going to go over this with a fine tooth comb because it was so fucking one-sided. Oh my God. Uh, I could not have been more wrong about this fight. And I'm so mad. I'm like, Irene, Irene, what, what did, what did you Irene. not know this is a fight? <laughs> did Irene not know? She didn't do anything. She looked like a deer in headlights from bell one to the end of the fifth round. Amanda Nunez did whatever she wanted from the entire fucking fight, from the striking to the takedowns, to the ground control, to top control, to distance, to kicks, to punches. Every aspect of this fight was Amanda Nunez, the lioness, as she's known. And just for a little context here, APB, would you like to hear the, um, would you like to hear the stat line? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yes, I would. 196 to 57 in strikes. My gosh. Six, six takedowns to zero. <laughs> and the rounds number four and five, 10-8 rounds. Of course. So yeah. They could have all been 10-8 rounds to me, honestly. That was a horrible performance by her. That was incredible. I want to give Amanda Nunes her flowers because she has retired. As the greatest female fighter who has ever stepped into the octagon, give her all of the fucking money, give her all of the respect, give her all of her yeah, due. Because she definitely she really earned, it. earned it. Yeah. <clears throat> so for me, Amanda Nunez definitely goes down as the greatest 135 and 45er ever to do it. Um, so yeah, big ups to her. She has a wonderful retirement with Nina Nunez and their family and yeah. And their other baby on the way. I wish them all nothing but love and success. All right. Let's go ahead and get into our drop of the night as we've already recapped UFC 289 Vancouver. Our drop of the night goes to absolutely nobody else, but I'm in Zahabi for that huge hand, right hand, or I'm sorry, left hook over Oriki Lang in the first round. Holy shit, I love it so much. Rhino gang, 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 gang. I can't imagine you have a different one, but do you there, uh, APB? Of course not. No, it has to be Zahabi. There's no one else. <laughs> one minute and four seconds, left hook, like, like crazy KO. And the other guy, what's his name? Oriki Lang. Oriki like, Lang. Remember whenever they got him up and he, at one point, he was trying to fight again. Yeah, he's like, I'm ready to go. (laughs) That's a vicious knockout right there. So, yeah, it goes. You got knocked out. You don't even know you got knocked out. You you definitely got fucking cracked. Yeah. All right. Let's go to our main card picks for UFC Vegas 75. And I think I I talked about it last week, but it's worth worth repeating. Uh, We have the next four months. uh, and and, And possibly more, but at least the next four months. Every Saturday night UFC content, which I am stoked about. So our next one is going to be UFC Vegas 75. 145 pounder. I got Pat Sabatini beating Lucas Almeida by UD. I think it's going to be a very grapple heavy fight. So I got Sabatini beating Almeida by UD. What about you? I have Sabatini with the guillotine in round two. All righty. Moving into 185. You know, this is kind of a surprise to me that I'm picking this way, but I am going to go with Christian Leroy Duncan beating Armand Petrosian by a TKO in the third round, TKO3 for CLD over Armand Petrosian. What about you, APB? I picked Duncan also, and I picked him uh, to win with the flying knee and punches for TKO in round two. Oh, my God. I love that so much. All right. Let's get into 155. I've got Manuel Torres beating Nicolas Mota by submission in the second round, and it's going to be a calf slicer. That's right, APB. Nice. Half slicer in the second round, Manuel Torres over Nicolas Mota. What about you? I like it. I have Torres with a rear naked choke in round one. Love it. 
Moving into one that I talk about a little later on in the uh, Q&A session. I got Muslim Salikov beating Nicholas Dalby by TKO in the third round. What about you? I have the exact same thing. Exact oh, same thing. Look yep. at us. TKO round three. <laughs> and then let's go to get our co-main event. I got Armand Sarukian beating Joaquin Silva by TKO in the third. What about you? I have Sarukian with a head kick KO in round one. Damn, that would be awesome. All right. Mm-hmm. Moving at 185 pounds, I got Marvin Vittori versus Jared Cannonier. I think this is going to be super close fight. So I've got Marvin Vittori, actually. I think he's going to win, but it's going to be like a super duper duper close fight. So I've got Arm, I'm sorry, I've got Marvin Vittori beating Jared Cannonier by split decision. That's right, a split decision in that one. What about you, APB? It probably will be a decision, but you know, I don't like that shit. So I'm picking <laughs> Vittori to win with a rear naked choke in round five. All right. So that is going to take care of our main card picks for UFC Vegas 75. We have got a bevy of fantastic uh, questions this week from our homies of the Rhino gang, APB. Our first one comes from the homie MMA by Milliken. What do you got for us this week, dude? Milligan says, are you a fan of the Apex Center? My only issue is the size of the octagon, but what are your thoughts on it? I love how he used the word fan because I literally just had to turn the fan on because it's 90 degrees here and I just <laughs> can't not have the fan on anymore. So sorry, there's a little little background, you know, ambiance going on there, fan, but understand it's 90 fucking degrees. <laughs> so I had to turn the fan back on. So Milligan, so overall, yeah, dude, I, I actually do like I actually do like the Apex. Now, here's why. Back in the day, growing up as such a huge boxing fan, every once in a while on ESPN or on USA, they would have their boxing fight nights from much smaller venues. And, like, I loved it because it made me feel like I was there. You could hear more of, like, what the action was going on in the in the ring. Uh, it just felt more intimate and cool. And, obviously, I love that the UFC was able to have as much content as they were during the pandemic. Um, because they had the Apex, because they made that, you know, their home base. Obviously, we all agree that it's time to venture out more because crowds bring so much to the events, right? Um, I do like the Apex, but again, and I still want to see it happen, maybe focus a little bit more on, like, the smaller cards with more up-and-comers, right? Make those the Apex cards if you can. But I still do like the Apex, but, of course, I much prefer the big events with big crowds. Um, So, yeah, let's do, like, an Apex event more like, once every month or once every six weeks, as opposed to two or three a month. Right. So yeah, that's definitely my answer. I do like it um, for a lot of reasons, but yeah, let's definitely keep on venturing out and just make the apex kind of a once in a while thing, kind of focused on the up and coming fighters. So that would be my answer on that one. My dude, Milliken, thank you so much. My broski, we appreciate you. Make sure you check out his show MMA by Milliken. Great dude. Awesome content. We love them. All right. So let's go to our next one, which comes from our homie, Struggle Face Tom. Tom, what do you got for us this week, dude? Tom says, what do you think of getting rid of the women's featherweight and adding an atom weight division instead? I feel like we've talked about this before, and I feel like I am a thousand percent on board with adding the atom weight division. We all know that. But do I still feel like we need to dissolve 145? And I used to always say, yes, yes, yes. I don't. Yeah. I don't think that way anymore, and here's why. First of all, it's not for lack of a talent in the world. It's for lack of a a depth of the roster for the UFC, right? And they don't seek seek to fill the roster with that division either. Right. 
There is a newer crop of 145ers who are uh, 45 women who are good, who are coming on the scene, who are getting better. Chelsea Chandler, Rhino Gang, uh, Norma Dumont, Macy Chasson can fight at 145 and fight well. Holly Holm can fight at 145 and fight well. So there are some pieces there, and you need to build on that if you're going to keep the division. You can't have it do another year or two where you just have the same eight girls rotating, fight, women, I should say, fighting each other, and they're not being any excitement or anything to put around. Did you see that stat that was on the Twitter line the other day that there's been X amount of fights and only like 20-something over the past couple of years have been for 145ers? Like, mm -hmm. They have to be able to, if you're going to keep the division, you got to grow it. You can't keep keeping people in limbo like this. And there is some talent there, and you just can really recruit a few other fighters and bring them over, and you're really going to have a good division that I think will be entertaining. So it's all a matter of what the UFC is going to do. I, I would definitely love the Adam weights for sure, and I I used to want the 145 gone. Now I want it to stay, but I just want it to grow, and I know you feel the same way, APB. Yep. All right. So, Tom, thank you very much, my dude. We appreciate you. My friend, all right. Let's get into the big homie, Jimisu. OG, what do you got for us this week, my brother? What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? <laughs> Rhino and the Rhino gang. Hope y'all are doing well. Wow. For that <clears throat> card not being stacked, it lived up to be a pretty decent card. So impressed all the Canadians showed up and showed off. Now, who are we putting in to fight for Amanda's strap? You kids know it's always 420. Yeah, OG, great question. It's almost assuredly going to be uh, Rocky and Juliana Pena, right? They yeah, that's Rocky. what I think, too. They even had Rocky come in and weigh in just in case something happened last night, right? So she was in Vancouver uh, as, like, the backup or the fill-in. Their number is one and three. That's Pena and Rocky. Um, Holly Holm is number two. But she's already booked to fight July 15th. So I think for sure we're going to see Juliana Pena and Rocky Pennington for the vacant belt. Um, hopefully in the next three months, maybe, maybe even less. I'm not sure. I know I know Pena has the injury to heal up from. But, yeah, that's almost surely who we're going to see. And, of course, we all fucking know who we're cheering for over here. That's Rocky Pennington. Yeah. Even before Juliana said all the nonsense that she said over this weekend about She's Amanda so crazy. about Amanda not being able to draw and give me a fucking break, dude. But yeah, we were Rocky Pennington before. Now we're super Rocky Pennington oh, yeah. after. And so yeah, dude, hopefully Rocky can uh mess up mess up Juliana Pennington when they get in there and fight for that title and she can get the title away. She is on a five fight a five fight win streak. Well, so she's fighting better than she ever has. And um, you know, she's got a kid on the way too with Tiny Tornado. Torres, so maybe the the new family will uh, give her some extra motivation as well. So yeah, we're all we'll all be cheering on Rocky Bennington. That's for God dang sure. So Jim, great question as always, my dude. Thank you, sir. All right, let's get into our home. Let's stay with our Canadian theme. We got our man, the Raisinsway Potato RSP. What do you got for us this week, dude? RSP says, "Oh Canada, with glowing hearts we see thee rise, the true North, strong and free." Last night at UFC 289, Canadian fighters went five for five on the card. Yeah. The fan what? No, I went yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> the fans were loud and showed their full support for the Canadian contingent and for Charles Oliveira, who secured his first ever win in Canada. As a pro fighter, how much of a role does the crowd play in your mindset and energy levels during the fight? And who is a fighter? that you would like to see compete in front of their hometown crowd at least once in their career. So RSP, it could not be overstated enough that for most fighters, 
the energy and the love and the crowd noise and everything can be kind of harnessed into having them perform at an even higher level. It really does have an effect on your psyche when you're going out there and everybody's cheering for you and you know that you have like, you know, all this energy and love getting showered on you before you go in. That really helps a lot of people. Now, there is a flip side to that, dude. We've had several fighters who have talked about over the years, Nick Diaz being a very prominent, I'm sorry, Nate Diaz being a very prominent one and being very candid about it. He does not like fighting in front of his hometown crowd. Um, he said there's even more pressure and there's more anxiety. And it's just, it's just a, it feels bigger. The weight is bigger when you're fighting in front of your home, you know, your hometown crowd. I've only done it so right. And I, I would say the most times I fought in the Detroit area, I fought well and I enjoyed it. And I was always the enemy everywhere else. So of course you like it better when you're getting cheered and people are rooting you on, but really when it kind of like, I don't know, it never really, it didn't do huge to me either way, to be honest. I just liked fighting at home because I hated the travel. So that was more for me, my own personal journey. Right. But I know a lot of fighters love it. They love getting all that showering of, of, of attention and praise, and they can convert that into a better, more aggressive performance. But again, there's a lot of other fighters too, who are like Nate, like Nate talked about, it's a lot of extra pressure and there's a lot of like other things away from the cage. You got to deal with, did your whole, did your cousin and your aunt and your friends and your family they all get their tickets? And does everybody have their own, you know, everything all squared away and are they going to be able to see me? So there's a lot of extra undue shit you got to deal with when you are fighting in your hometown. So that's my answer on the first part. The second part, if you had asked me this like a month ago or a month or two months ago, whatever, I was all about UFC Africa, dude. I thought that was going to be an amazing event to have Izzy and Kamaru and Francis, like all these great top tier UFC fighters fight in Africa. And, you know, they've never, they've never had a, uh, UFC's never had an event there. And I was just all about it. But now that Francis has left, it's kind of, I don't know, man. It doesn't have that same, like, just because I'm such a huge Francis fan, right? It doesn't have that same thing for me. I would still like to see them do it, of course, but it just, I don't know. I'll have to think a little bit more about like, who do I really want to see fight in front of their home, uh, in front of their home crowd. But yeah, RSP, great questions as always, my dude. We appreciate you. All right, let's get into the motorcycle riding madman, the Dean Dog. Dean, what do you got for us this week, dude? Dean wants to know what matchup are you looking forward to at the next event? Hope you're doing great. Well, I hope you're doing great, Dean. So how about that, my man? All right. So, yes, Muslim Salikov versus Nicholas Dalby, dude. This one has all the ingredients for a super fucking fun, high-level banger. And I'm really, really looking forward to that. So, yeah, keep an eye on Muslim Salikov versus Nicholas Dalby. Two very experienced, high-level, really good strikers who are also good on the ground and prefer to stand up. So, yeah, Muslim Salikov, Nicholas Dalby, that's going to be fucking great. I'm really looking forward to it. Now, my <laughs> APB, my worry always is when I say that for one of these, that, like, it's either going to, like, stink up the joint with, like, a land prey <laughs> situation, or it's going to be, like, the first strike land is going to be a KO. But I feel good about this. I'm, I'm sticking with it. Uh, Salikov versus Dalby, I think it's going to be a great fight. So, Dean Dog, hope you get a ride out there today, my dude. It is hot. So, thank you very much, Dean. Okay, let's get into my homie, the Doc, is our sixth question for our writings. Doc. What do you got for us, dude? Doc says, who is someone already in the UFC who you think could someday sur surpass Amanda as the WMMA GOAT? So the easy answer, the low-hanging fruit would be Valentina, right? Because I feel like she's just barely one tier below. Um, but no, I'm not going that way. I'm going, and you'll, you'll, you'll appreciate this. I'm going Tatiana Suarez, dude. If, oh, she, yeah. if she could stay healthy, she has got a shot to not only 
be as good as Amanda, but surpass her in her career, in my opinion. 9-0 and already. She is only 33 years old, but not a tough. But some people are like, well, that's kind of old. It's not. She has very little fight wear on fight wear and tear on her body. Um, she's already overcome so much more than so many people. So we know how, how tough she is. And what an incredible high-level grappler. Uh, what a ground and pound artist. She's improving on her feet every time we see her. I can easily see, even though 125 is so talent rich, I can easily see, and you know, she might go back and forth between 115 and 125. I'm not sure. But I think no matter where she's at, she could rattle off 10 to 15 fights, win the title, have a whole bunch of defenses, kind of Anderson Silva or DJ style. And yeah, Tatiana Suarez is so good. And I like her so much as a person and as a fighter. Tatiana Suarez absolutely could meet or surpass Amanda Nunes as the GOAT of WMMA, in my opinion. And she's already on the roster right now. Did you have a different take on that? No, I love that. And I think that's great. Because, yeah, I was thinking, uh, I don't know if there's anybody, but yeah, she's she's she could. For sure. Okay. So, <laughs> so the, uh, our next one comes from our girl, Jess, the Scream Queen Supreme. Jess, what do you got for us this week, love? Our girl, Jess, says, hmm, do you think Dana is done with the women's featherweight division? And as lackluster as 135 is, do you think it'll be a hard pay-per-view draw now <laughs> that Amanda's gone? Well, first of all, was he ever, like, with it, let alone to be done with it? Right, I don't know. seriously. You know I mean, so little was done to do anything to grow that. I do think that he probably is even more kind of considering getting rid of it now that Amanda's not there to have the title. Um, again, I hope that's not the case, Jess. I hope that we can beef it up, strengthen it up, bring in some more talent. Because, again, there is plenty of talent out there. You just got to be able to bring them in and put them in the division. So I hope not. And then as far as 135, yeah, 135 is a little stagnant right now. But it only takes one or two fighters. You know what I'm saying? If you can interject one or two, if somebody separates themselves who's already in the UFC or if there's a free agent signing or somebody finishes their contract, you know, at a different company and comes over, all it takes is one or two big fighters to interject into a division for it to become interesting. Like, if people remember back back when the heavyweight division was like, it was Randy Couture, it was the titleist, and he was like 44 years old, 43, and he'd beat Tim Sylvia, and the UFC's heavyweight division just didn't have a lot of talent in it. Then what happened? Brock Lesnar came, right? Then after Brock, we had Shane Carwin, and like, it just started to really trickle and really snowball. And so all it takes is one or two fighters to get in there. Then you spark some more interest and you get some interesting matchups, maybe bring another person in. So like it really, you're two or three fighters away from beefing up any division and making a lot more interesting matchups. So yeah, I really hope that's what happens at both. 145 absolutely needs it because it's on a respirator right now, but 135 can also use that injection of talent as well. So yeah, dude, I'm definitely on board with both those. I really hope so. And thank you very much, Jesse. You know how much we love you. All right. Let's get in our always. Don't forget my question. Oh, that you know what you're. Let's do your first <laughs> APB. Yes. Let's do yours. It's good that you say that because I always forget. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so I asked the same question to uh, Juice and T Cross on the Friendly Sparring Pod, and and they they had a great answer for me. But I want to know, and just asking this is going to make me mad all over again. So, what are your thoughts about DC's comments about? Jim Miller not having enough accomplishments to be in the Hall of Fame, the UFC Hall of Fame. I, I wholeheartedly disagree with DC's sentiment on that, not just because I'm a Jim Miller fan, but when you, it's not all about wins and losses. It's about no, it's and not every wins. champion should be in the Hall of Fame, I don't think. 
it's also about how you perform against the highest level of your resume because Jim Miller has a resume that you'll put up against anybody. It doesn't matter that he's, you know, like 40 and 20 or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Um, he has put it up against the line against every top tier fighter in and around his division. Um, he has the most fights in the UFC. It is, it is one of those deals where he is absolutely a first ballot Hall of Famer to me. And I don't think DC recognizes that because DC only looks at things from accomplishments being trophies and or titles. So if you're like not a titleist, you know, or like, I don't know, somebody who rattled off 10 or 12 victories against top three people, which of course would make you a champion. I just don't think DC recognizes that. I don't know if that comes from his, from his wrestling background or what, but dude, Jim Miller in this house will always be revered. And he is for sure a fucking hall of famer to me. Yes. Yeah, and he's still going, and DC isn't. So there, you know, <laughs> suck it. Boom! Drop the mic. <laughs> suck it, DC. And I like DC, but that made me I so mad. And even last <clears throat> night, whenever I was watching, you know, he says like kind of dumb stuff, like every every uh, you know pay per view and fight night. And every time he would say dumb stuff, I was like, shut up, DC. You don't know what you're talking about. Because I'm still bad at him, but I still, you know, overall still like him. But yeah, yeah I, I like crappy. I like DC too, but yeah, no, I'm with you. I think Jim Miller definitely should go in the Hall of Fame. And I disagree with DC absolutely. So that is going to take care of our write-in and our co-host to host question. <laughs> Let's get into our homie Ty the Fly Guy from the Front Kicks and Stroke Cuddles Pod and my Denver Broncos loving Broski Ty. What do you got for us this week, dude? Hey, Rhino. It is Ty. You know who I am. And you know I am the Denver Broncos level fanatic. Sorry, I tried to think of a new intro. Um, Just watching, my goodness, Amanda Nunez calling it quits in the UFC. And her and my career. Oh, my goodness. What a great, great career she had. So I've got like a two-parter question for you. My first question is, other than I know from listening to your podcast, your big thing with um, her beating Ronda Rousey, but other than that, what is your favorite Amanda Nunes moment? And then my second question is, what do you think the UFC goes from here as far as the Bantamweight division and the women's featherweight division let me know what you think love the show and i'll catch you later peace yeah buddy so obviously you're right if ever i'm talking about amanda my favorite fight of hers it was her decimating ronda rousey <laughs> that will always be number one but if i gotta pick a second one dude it's gotta be cyborg you know cyborg was one of the few people who you knew was big enough strong enough hit hard enough to give amanda problems because amanda had looked so dominant for so long and Cyborg came in and got wrecked. Got wrecked early, up against the fence, no gimmicks, just straight up punches to the face, and she got knocked out. So, yeah, that's my second favorite Amanda Nunez performance inside the octagon. And as far as your, uh, as far as your next question, dude, like, <clears throat> we've kind of talked about it a little bit already on the show, and, and it kind of boils down to this. 145 in women's MMA is rich, it is talented, and it is deep. Everywhere outside of the UFC, okay? It's the lone weight class that Bellator can claim to have a better roster and a deeper roster, and it's true. They do. I would sure love to see the UFC put the time, money, effort into bringing in more talent, making 145 rich. Of course, I still want Adam Weights, dude. That's, that's still something that I've been begging for for four years. 
I want Adam Weights in the UFC. I think they're so good and talented. However, beef up 145, 135 will follow. I think they're still, like I said, I think they're still viable. But I, I just want to see both of those divisions get uh, an influx of talent and be made credible on the fight card. So, yeah, dude, those are my answers on that one, Ty. Thank you very much, my dude. All right. APB, that takes care of our Q&A session or our forum for today. Let's go ahead and do our 10 rounds of Rhino with UFC lightweight Carl Deaton III, otherwise known as CD3, or the Anishinaabe Kid, after a quick word from our sponsor, K&R Designs. Hey, Rhino gang. Are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom? or an end table for the family room. We'll look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Ah, Fight Fam, got ourselves another fantastic guest going 10 rounds of Rhino with us today. 17 and 6, UFC lightweight. Carl, the Anderson Nabe kid, Deaton the third is here. Carl, thank you so much for joining us today, sir. What's going on, everyone? Dude, we are so stoked to have you on, my dude. So basically, buddy, the round one with Rhino is always the same. We love getting that origin story. How did you first get involved in this crazy, wacky world of MMA, my dude? Right. Uh, high school wrestling. I would say the not not getting what I wanted out of it back in the day and uh, just making me hungrier. And uh I found a guy in Michigan. His name is Jody Bass. He uh, told me he was competing. And uh, back then it was uh, tough man competitions and king of the cage on the casino shows on the reservation lands. And uh, man, history ever since got me into awesome. it. Awesome. <laughs> I love the fact that there's a Michigan connection because, you know, I'm from Michigan as well. So oh, I, yeah. I, love that I love that there's a Michigan connection. I know you're a Midwest homie, my dude. So yeah. your, next, your next fight is going to be July 15th, which as we're recording this, just a little bit over a month away from where we are right now. Your opponent that night is Alex Munoz. Are you kind of like I was, and are you like a guy who likes to study film on your fighter, you know, your upcoming opponent, or are you really kind of leave that to the coaches? Both. I take it upon myself to do my own homework, and then I ask my co my coaches, you know, what kind of homework are they seeing? Obviously, you know, uh, mix the minds up and then uh, listen to what they say, perfect these details, and then July 15th show up and do what I have to do and handle business. Hell yeah, <laughs> Your octagon debut was just—it um, was just five months ago. Do you feel like that short time in between fights will kind of be advantageous for you? And that's also considering the fact that Munoz hasn't fought in over two years. Oh yeah, and he's 0-2 in the UFC. Um, I've been walking to the cage, you know, my whole life, and I just think it comes down to just that next level of experience. And I've said 
more cages, then this then this man has fights. That's a hundred percent true, dude. <laughs> Your experience level is so much higher than his. Um, was five months? Did that seem like enough time for you to have off? Because it's a pretty quick turnaround. But you feel like totally recovered and healthy and ready to rock and roll from your last one? Yes, yes. I would never take a fight uh, going in there with uh, the mindset of not winning. Got you, my guy. Now I talk about nicknames a lot on this show with a lot of different fighters, and the Anishinaabe kid has got to be up there with one of my most favorite ones. Now I did have to do some research, and there's also a Michigan tie-in to that name. Can you kind of explain everybody what an Anishinaabe is and then what it means? Anishinaabe is from the original language of my people from uh, Turtle Island, the whole Midwest of the natives. In our native tongue, we, they speak uh, Ojibwe Moan. And uh, to say in our language, native, we would say Anishinaabe. And the name was given to me. I'm Anishinaabe kid and uh, CD3 because I'm Carl Deaton III. And, um, man, it's been eye-opening. It's even been more of a journey just learning that and learning the meaning behind that, meeting elders, hearing their stories, hearing the foods, hearing the dances, and knowing that it's a big part of uh, my culture I've always had growing up. And just keep understanding and keep learning. And then uh, showcasing what I know about myself on the biggest stage in the world with the UFC and even on the regional scene. So, you know, it was, um, you know, like I didn't even know how big it was till you know, you get out there in the world and you meet other people that are uh, – like you or hear the name or like yourself like yo i know what that means man i know where you're from and i'm like cool man you know like where you from michigan michigan oh yeah you know exchange stories so it's been you know it's been cool man i'm thankful for it absolutely and you know what i really had to go down i really went down the rabbit hole dude because you know i had to research it i had to look it up and I saw, you know, I saw exactly what's right between Minnesota and Michigan and Wisconsin and the lower part of Canada and like that whole region and how, how it tied into that. It was just, it was really a fun, interesting um, subject matter to really go down. I was really appreciative of that. So, dude, moving back into the fight world with 23 pro fights on your resume, you are really experienced at just 33 years old. If you had to talk about what part of your game you've improved on the most in that time, in that extensive, very fulfilling career of already having 23 fights. Where would you say you've improved on the absolute most as far as your fight career goes from the beginning till now? Man, just my killer instinct, you know, just learning and being around high-level training, high-level coaching, and um, capitalizing on it. I'm a guy that came off, that came up overweight, cut from, like, high school teams to, you know, fall in love with the sport, fall in love with the lifestyle, and uh, being overlooked, and now it's my turn, and people know that I'm coming, and they know the dog in me, and they know this is the new dog father coming out, so, you know, just keep on and keep uh, progressing with my killer instinct, and uh, the, the training's there, you know, the, the finer details are what's settling in now, but just, man, ferocious shit is coming out of Carl <laughs> <laughs> You're getting me hyped up, dude. I got to settle down. You're getting me fired up. I'm ready to put my head through a wall over here. If you want to pause and do 15 jumping jacks on me, man, I'm not stopping. <laughs> so awesome, dude. I'm getting fired up. So, Carl, as you look over your career, you are, you know, I'm not going to use the word submission master, but you have got a ton of submissions along the way and all kinds of different ones. However, the guillotine seems to be the one uh, of your techniques that you've been able to finish the most dudes with right is that something that you've always kind of looked at as a go-to or you've been able to implement it and find finishes from that or was that just something like hey if it presents itself i'll take it or you kind of do you kind of search for that one uh both if it presents itself i'm taking the next and cashing the checks and in the training room i've uh 
you know, I've asked the black belts. I've even asked any high level grappler. You don't have to even have to have a black belt, but just if uh, your grips are good, I'm always trying to perfect that just because, uh, you know, it's that quick of a checkmate in the, in the ring. So not only have I found it in fights in the training room, I found it and I've, I've gone over the top to ask questions about perfecting it myself and then, um, you know, putting it in place. So I, I do my, uh, you know, I do my thing and then I go back and I, I do try to get help from, you know, anyone who's ever willing to help me on the best uh, knowledge or even the best, you know, going forward. I'll always have an open ear and always open minded and listening. That's a great message, particularly for younger fighters. You got to understand that not everybody in the gym is willing to help you, but really most of the time people are, especially the older fighters, fighters who are really, really experienced and good at a certain technique. They're really willing to help you get by. So ask questions, ask the older guys, ask the more experienced guys. Let me know how you're doing things. That really helps you progress as a fighter. So that's a, that's a great message, Carl. We appreciate you bringing that up. Now, dude, we can't always train. We can't just train. We can't just be about the fight world. We got to have some balance. We got to step away sometimes and find some things that we like to do away from the fight world, away from the training world. What are some things that you like to do in your downtime or time to just chill and relax and have some fun? What are some things that uh, the Anishinaabe kid likes to do, man? Man, family, uh, mafioso over here. I like going hunting, fishing with my family. I like uh, cooking, and uh, we're a pretty good family. So, you know, we have the entrees first. We have the big meals, and then we got dessert going at the end. And then uh, other than that, um, hunting and fishing is pretty big in my life. And then I uh, just finished up and graduated from college. So I'm curious to see on what next is for me. You know, I don't really get myself too extended out there. And then uh, obviously, you know, who doesn't like a good pool party in the summer? Oh, yeah, dude. Well, especially when those of us who live where we live only get a few months of warm, then you're, you're really going to take advantage of it at that point. Now, everybody I've talked to from Minnesota, hunting and fishing is always a very prevalent answer when it comes to that. When's, when's the last time you went out on a trip, my guy? And what'd you, what'd you get? Oh, last hunting season. Uh, what I got two does. And then uh, I went a lot hunting with my dad. I was uh, recording him, just helping him. And then we drag him out. Um, I seen a couple bucks, but nothing uh, I wanted to put down. The year before that, I got a six and a seven point. And uh, yeah, it was good. I uh, filled the freezer, you know, got a couple hides. And um, yeah, it was good for me. Very cool, my dude. Now, this is a fun one that I really bring up to a lot of fighters. And it seems that people seem to fall into two different categories. One, they know right away. Or two, they got to think on it for just a minute. So we'll see which one you fall into. Right. If you couldn't fight for money, if you could still be a fighter in the amateur ranks, so you could still fight, but you had to do something else to make money to provide for your family. What career do you think you'd have right now if fighting was not an option, my friend? Nice. Oh, I would easily, um, man, I would tell anyone, I'm very, I'm more than just a fighter, man. I, I can go get a job right now and be very happy, you know, just providing. I'm very lucky to provide this way and, um, and with fighting at the highest level. But I'll tell you right now, dude, I'm very, uh, I can help in a maintenance with a car. I can help uh sporting like hunting and fishing and tackle i can uh help in the lawyer office you know i just graduated with my uh degree in the native american studies of a concentrating of law and history so across the board and then if i really wanted to man i could go work at a goddamn gas station you know like it's this easy stuff so if fighting wasn't there and presented myself i probably would still work out because i like the lifestyle but honestly i would i would probably be a firefighter you know i'd want to help the community i want to do something that uh is really fulfilling and uh, grow my family just like I am now. Oh, that's a great answer, my friend. Now, this is kind of a fun one that we're going to get into right now. This is round nine with Rhino. People look forward to this question every time I've got a new guest on. 
Now, we have to cut weight. It's just something that we have to do as part of professional fighters, part of our lives. It's just it's an unfortunate deal, but it is what it is. Right. So we deprive we deprive ourselves of some of our most favorite foods and some things we really like to indulge in for at least six, eight weeks prior to. Now, think about this. The fight is over. You've already won. You're out with your friends, your family, your training partners. You really get to throw down on some good grub. What do you want to get and where do you want to get it from, my dude? Man, I'm getting a nice big-ass Indian taco. And if they don't have Indian tacos... I'm getting nice steak tacos and just big rice dishes and donuts, like uh, cinnamon rolls and big, like, Krispy Kreme donuts. Oh, dude, I love it. Now, for those of you who don't know Indian taco, we're talking about the fry bread as the yeah. shell, correct? Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. fry bread shell on Indian taco is so good. Oh, my God. And uh, you, you got to have somebody who uses the real lard. I don't know, you know. Some people use different things, but if they use real lard in the frying and the cooking process of that, it yeah. just takes it over the top, my dude. Y'all, yeah. My man, those of you at home DNC, but Carl just gave me the old uh, A-O-K right there because it just, it's so good. <laughs> oh, dude, I love it. So basically, Carl, we've careened our way into the 10th round with Rhino, which is just the easiest of all. Just share your social medias with us, dude. So everybody, my friends, my family, the Rhino gang, all my listeners, we can all follow you along in your career moving forward. Keep tabs on you and uh, you know, we'll support you moving forward. I appreciate it, guys. If you guys are uh, interested, follow me at CD3 Sports on social media platforms. I think it's Instagram and um, Twitter and Facebook. Carl Deaton III, the Anishinaabe Kids, CD3. And I appreciate everyone reaching out. I appreciate the support. And I appreciate the haters, too. That's motivating me as well. Hell yeah, my dude. Well, fam, we are all going to be looking forward to July 15th. Uh, UFC Fight Night, Carl, the Anishinaabe, Deaton III coming out there is going to do his thing. We are all going to be supporting you and riding you moving forward, my dude. So once again, thank you so much for joining us and doing 10 rounds of Rhino today, brother. We're all going to be riding with you. Thank you, man. That was the National Bay Kids CD3, and I just went 10 rounds with the Rhino. Carl, dude, that was such a good conversation and such a good time. And we actually talked for quite a while after we got off the air. And I just, I can't say enough good things about the dude. What an interesting, fun, cool dude to talk to. I really, really appreciate you taking the time out so close to your fight, my man. All right, let's get in our shots and our outro to our forum contributors. To MMA by Milliken. To Struggle Face Tom, our homie from down in Houston. To the Rage and Sweet Potato. To the Dean Dog, to the OG Jim Sue, to Doc, to Jess, the Scream Queen Supreme, from, oh, definitely an APB for her, for her question today, to Ty, the fly guy, for his voice question. Again, I don't know how you keep doing it, but you do, and it's, it's awesome. <laughs> APB, obviously, for being the co-host with the Mohos, to Brat, Filthy Casual, Ashley, Fabian, Sandy Pants, Tempting Tory, Jasanga, Hunter, Sammy, Dylan, Mike Morgan, my uh, MMA underdog peeps, Jillian, Chrissy, Monica, Katie, and Jason, Ms. Fight Diva, Steffi, Shannon, and Gina from our PRG. Of course, my beloved Rhino Gang GC, who I love to the moon and back. To the feature player, Drea, who I don't get enough credit for for being our social media director. So feature player, Drea, shout out to you. We love you. To D. Reigns, the best engineer in the biz. Just had dinner with him yesterday. Such a cool dude. To, of course, JMMA at JMMA4 on Twitter. And on YouTube, at JMMA, he is our graphic designer. He is a super talented young man. Really, really good stuff. Check him out. As we love to talk about around here, man, we hope everybody works hard. Hope you have a good week. I hope the uh, heat backs off for some of us because it's too fucking hot. Anyways, we love to say around here, love is greater than hate. And we will see you next week. K-Sign!